This very special Friday episode of What's Who's Him Radio was brought to you by the web's best kept secret, whatshoosim.com. Please check out everything we've got going on from our consulting services, resumes, cover letters, uh, general copy editing and copywriting, small businesses. If you need help um, revamping your documentation as we enter these new strange times, please hit us up. We got you. Photography. Um, we're not quite ready to do events yet, obviously, but individual photography, if you need your graduation portraits handled now that the weather's breaking a little bit, or if you uh, just need new headshots, anything of that nature, please hit us up. If you, I guess the DMV is starting to reopen and so is Michigan. So um, might be back and forth between those two areas. But I guess if you're in between those two places too, please let us know. We can figure out a way to get to you. Maybe, probably, hopefully. So please let us know. Intake questionnaire is available via the website as well. What else? Playlist. A new monthly June playlist is dropping either this weekend or next week. I got to fi- go ahead and finalize that. But a Stevie Wonder playlist and um, celebration of his birthday is available uh, on Apple Music and Spotify and Tidal if you got it. A Kirk Franklin playlist that we made in conjunction with the podcast that we had with Ms. Rachel Payton earlier this month. Was that earlier this month? May has been a long month, guys, but I think that was in May. Um, so yeah, that playlist and that podcast is available um, wherever you stream your music and your podcast. Please listen to those. And um, yeah, we, just, I, we have a ton of playlists available on Spotify and Apple Music. So please check those out if you could when you get an opportunity to. Um, the What's Who Some Podcast Network, What's Who Some Radio, we are approaching episode 50. Hey, get hype, get hype, get hype. We will detail what that episode will look like at the end of this episode. Maybe I might preview that. And then um, Albums of the Decade, season one, first 12 episodes. Please check those out wherever you stream your podcast. Season two is in production now and um, will be available the first week of July. And then a new podcast with me and Miss Ryan Morgan is coming in the early days of June. That's currently in development. So please be on the lookout for that. And everything else we got going on at westwisdom.com from the essays, which I need to go ahead and write something. I know I say that every five episodes, if not less, but um, something will be written by me very, very shortly. I'm going to go ahead and stop promoting and just write it and talk about it on the podcast one day. But um, essays are up from me, Ms. Rhonda Morgan, Mr. William Garner, um, a few more guest contributors to the website. And um, it's everything else we got going on at westwisdom.com. It's a ton of stuff I know I'm forgetting because. Um, as I, every time I'm on it, I'm amazed at how much content I've been able to generate in the last going on five years now. So please, please, please check it out. This is the e-magazine that I've always envisioned. So please check out the vision guys. What's One more time. What's coming up me and the good brother, Willie Mac jr. So if you listen to last week's episode, you will hear me detail a mishap in which I recorded with wheels for exactly two hours and one minute. I was excited because I was like, oh, great. This is two podcasts, not one. So I go in to edit them because I was going to get the first podcast up the next morning. I had every intention to and find that I have two hours and one minute of me talking and none of him. And that's not a very compelling podcast. So um, God with Wills, he agreed to re-record. Figured we let it breathe for a little bit to try to not duplicate our first conversation. And um, this one came out just as good, if not better. Talked about the uh, Jordan doc, the last dance in total. Talked about the NBA coming back, what that'll look like. And then got back into a Hall of Fame discussion about like the criteria of what it'll take to get in. It was way more heated the first time around because it was way, it was a little bit more spontaneous. I think we came in a little bit more considerate the second time around of what each other had said the first time. And um, I think at 
the point at which we talked about the second time around, <laughs> we pretty much agreed with each other's arguments. So we were way more thoughtful with what we said. Um, but it's, it's still a great conversation. I know that y'all will enjoy it. Um, or your money back. So that's a guarantee you can take to the bank. Um, so yeah, that's coming up next. But first, as always, you know him, you love him, my brother, uh, Willie Major. I'm Detroit's own savior, Detroit's own plug, Detroit's own future, Detroit's own love, I'm Detroit's own, yeah, I'm Detroit's own, yeah, and I never asked for my heart back, you can have it, without all you taught me, I never would have lasted, I know I can move. Alright, we back, after technical difficulties, this happens when you self-produce from time to time, but it's all good, uh, my brother Wills, Willie Mac Jr., back on Zoom. Alright. Let me check the levels to make sure we right. We together. We together. We good. We good. Mm-hmm. We, we good to go. I can hear you. Everything moving right this time. All right, we smooth. Yeah. All right. Uh so trying not to replicate last week's conversation, but we're gonna hit some of those same notes. And we gonna um I kinda I kinda detailed an agenda this time. I felt like last week we riffed a little bit, but we got some points we're gonna touch on this time. Uh yeah. first and foremost. Uh, the last dance. I feel like we well, we we recapped night four last week. We just gonna we can just recap the whole thing now. Um, uh-huh. I guess like final takeaways. What would you get your overall grade to it? What what was your biggest the biggest thing you learned from it? Stuff like that. I I liked I liked it a lot. Uh, I I grew up like watching a whole bunch of Mike shit. Mm-hmm. So a lot of a lot of it I did know, but they managed to put in a lot of stuff I didn't. Yeah, you know what I'm saying and had footage I'd never seen before, which was, you know, good to see. Mm-hmm. All the shit I watched, I thought I saw it all. So that was good to see. I wish they would have been a little more detailed with like certain, they did good with a, with a lot of the series they talked about, but I wish they would have covered more series. Mm-hmm in detail and like more detailed on that final season because he played they said 35 games without scotty and they still won like 62 they, they games. won 62 and 20. he played all 82. You know yeah. So I, yeah he played uh, they said he played since he came back from baseball he didn't miss a game. 304 304 bro that shit is crazy Fucking ridiculous but yeah, I wish they would have like got more detail within how that see it stretches of the season. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people think Mike was never the underdog or never they looked they never looked at him like he was falling off mm-hmm. and shit. You know what I'm saying? And it, it was good to hear stories like that. And I just would have liked to hear a little bit more detail of that. But I give it an A. Like you know, I ain't I don't feel like I I don't feel like I'm not satisfied. You feel? Yeah. No, to the point of them um, including stuff we hadn't seen before, like the story about him planning to not have a Reebok logo showing at the uh, Olympics or whatever. Like, you heard the story before, but then they had a footage. I think I heard somebody say this. They had a footage of him in the car being like, I got something for the asses tomorrow. Like, he was mm-hmm. actually plotting. It wasn't, though, like, he kind of yeah. had thought about it. Like, no, this was like a day's plan in motion. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. Or like the audio of him crying after they had one four. With him mm-hmm. on the floor, like you had seen the 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 photo, and obviously, like he was anguished because his dad wasn't there. But to actually hear him crying on the floor, like that shit was painful for him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, Stuff like that. I enjoy how 
they showed you his reactions to certain stuff people said in real time. Mm-hmm. That was good to see. That's a that's a new that's like a very new 2020 trick because they couldn't do that in the past where like yeah. you can show people like what somebody else said in your documentary. Like that's crazy. Uh, uh, actually, it was cold. Okay, yeah, I, I enjoyed it for sure. No, I was saying, and I mean, I don't know. I mean, you have to like give Mike a super bag. Like I'm sure. For all that footage, she would need at least a B. But I'm like, this could have really been a TV show, bro. Considering we're not doing nothing. Um, mm-hmm. We only got... I, I, I remember when it got announced. Like, when it first got announced, when, like, the world was normal or whatever. And people were <laughs> like, 10 weeks? Who won 10 weeks of a Jordan documentary? I mean, like, all of us were like, give us 10 plus more. But I think yeah. to, like, the mainstream folks was like, 10 weeks is a lot of material. Who's going to still be around after 10 weeks? And to, I mean, now, I mean, pandemics change things, but now folks is like, oh, I could have done another 10 weeks. And it's like, no, nah, this always could have been a TV show as far as I'm concerned, bro. Like, th- like you said, they could have done more in depth just on that season. They really ain't talk about 90 season yeah. like that. They really didn't show much of the season like I expected. Nope. They, they, they did tell more stories that you probably haven't heard or got more detail to what like was going on behind the scenes mm-hmm. that you ain't really know. But they didn't really get detailed on like, like, like footage and and games and you know what right. I'm saying. They they ain't, they ain't really do that that much. Like I mean, they they were using it for like they used it for the point when Dennis they talked about how Dennis um when he was the number two player next to Mike, he would work yeah. harder. They used that as an inflection point or like when they was eight and seven, mm-hmm. they turned their season around at a point by they speed stuff like that. Or they, when they went to Utah mm-hmm. and lost in the season. But yeah, like you said, like they could have went way more in depth into like what happened when they went on a little winning streak. Like they, they didn't even talk about nothing and after the All Star break. How, yeah, and talk more about how going into that season, not that they didn't ex- like that, not that they didn't think Mike could win, but they were the narrative of he's getting older mm-hmm. and he still do it. Can, you know what I'm saying? That was the narrative at the time. Right. And people don't remember or really think like that because, you know, he ended up winning. So it just seemed like he was expected to win again. It was the end of a three-peat. But it was really like this season with Brian. Like, he getting older. Can he still be on top of the league? Can he – you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And he went and not only won MVP but won the chip again. Like, True. That's cool. And you know I mean, and, that, and there's a way I'm thinking now I'm over here, like staring in the space. Cause like I'm thinking about maybe Mike didn't want to put that in. Cause that wouldn't really fit the narrative of like, once he became king of the league, he was king of the league. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, it still does fit the narrative. Cause it's like, even, I mean, LeBron's had these moments the last decade where it's like at any sign of, of weakness or slippage, folks are ready to write his, his obituary, his eulogy, right? Like oh, it's over for Mike. It's over for LeBron. He's lost a step. And it's like, and especially with Mike, it sounds even crazier because he won MVP in 98. His numbers were still crazy, at least offensively. So for people to even have written him off back then is insane, but it just happens with every legend. It's like the point at which nobody ever wants to be the first. Nobody wants to be last on the, on the train of, call, of writing somebody off. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It gets to a point where you win so much, it's more interesting to see you lose. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it's not even that they necessarily was really looking at him like he wasn't still Mike, but it was still like they trying to find something that can be the reason he'll lose this year. Right. You know what I'm saying? 
and and that and he fought against it. He could and people don't really give him credit for being on top and still finding motivation to show you why he's on top. He was finding you motivation in the finals, bro. Like that's crazy. Yeah, you don't have to do that. You can easily be like, shit, I'm Mike, nigga. I already won the season MVP. I don't got to give y'all extra and win the finals and the finals MVP too. But to th- I mean, like, in, but to think in 97, though, like, so Malone wins the MVP. His numbers, like, merited it. I feel like in hindsight, and I mean, I hear people who were adults in 97 talk about how it was dumb in the moment, but Malone was 30 and 13 every year, bro. Well, like, the stats wasn't always there for him to win an MVP. So he finally yeah. wins it, and Jordan was like, oh, bet. Like, y'all think he better than me? Cool. And it's like, no, nah, that wasn't really it, bro. People just got tired of voting for you, but yeah, Mike found a reason. they like, no, nah, that's my motive. All right, bet. Fuck y'all niggas. I'm about to fuck y'all niggas. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he said it at the end of the war. He said, look, they can't win until we quit. Like, that's, that's, in the, that, I, that's probably one of my favorite lines from the shit, because it's like he wanted to, every time he played, he wanted to prove Y'all can't beat me. Mm-hmm. Y'all only going, like, I retired the first time, y'all got y'all ring. I came back, and y'all don't win again until I quit again. Like, that's an amazing, like, approach to the game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, nah, nigga. I don't care mm-hmm. if I'm already considered the best. I won't. And he said, like, going back, when he after his first retirement, going back, he was saying, like, Part of my motivation was the new crop of people. Like, yeah, I wanted- that's that's my that's literally my favorite thing, bro. Is that he said he wasn't coming back to face like the Pat Ewans and them. He said I already beat them, like Pat and Charles. Like that's old. Like I want to face the Shacks and the Pennies and see how I face yeah, the fair against right. them. And so, that's like, yeah, nigga, he's the ultimate competitor, man. And that and that's being lost. Like it's still competitive people, and I ain't taking that away from the game. But that's a different level of it that the game is, you know what I'm saying, from, you know what I'm saying, a lot of ways. How you feel about, I, I thought I was thinking about this as I was rewatching it. Um, it seemed like after we had a whole Detroit fiasco where they don't shake hands after the, uh, mm-hmm. the what, 91 conference finals, um, it seemed like there was a lot of footage of Mike, like, shaking hands with his opponents after he beat them. You know what I'm saying? Like, it seemed like they went out their way to show him shaking hands with Reggie. Show him shaking hands with Carl. Show him shaking hands with John Stockton. Like, so I I don't know if that was, if that was an intentional choice to be like, hey, Michael, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, was Michael just always standing on on his merits of even in, like, win or lose competition, I'm still going to be like a gentleman about it. Cause I felt like that was very intentional, you know what I'm saying? I don't know how yeah, you felt about that's it. That's the thing about Mike. Shit, nigga, you was really, you was winning. Yeah. It's easy to shake some niggas. Exactly. Hand. And you was beating niggas that one, you was you was beating niggas that still kind of knew you was Mike. Right. It was different when Zeke, when Zeke was on some shit like nigga, I don't care if you Mike, nigga. I'm taking the lead now. It's my turn. Mm-hmm. It was at the point where Mike started winning. It was like people trying to take it from you. So it's easy to beat them and shake their hand. Right. You already got and, thrown. And it was, a, it was a level of reverence to Michael that they talk about in the document. Like, but Charles Barkley says after what that game too, where he go crazy, but Mike just went crazier. Like he walked off the court and was like, I knew like, I can't beat this guy. Yeah, I don't think right. Isaiah ever felt that way, bro. Like, never, never felt that. And that's what Mike is insecure about because 
that's why Isaiah brought up that quote when the documentary was first starting, where, he, where Will Chamberlain say like, they had to change the rules for me not to dominate. They changed mm -hmm. the rules for Mike to dominate. Mm -hmm. And Isaiah feel like, nigga, they stopped my domination, like my years of dominance, changing the rules so you can dominate, right. making it easier, calling these fouls harder on us, mm -hmm. giving us flagrants, finding us. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like they doing all that to stop it and make it easier for you to fly through there with your tongue out. You know what I mean? So that's 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 part of that too. It's like shit. Mike feel insecure that it's like, would I have beat Zeke if they didn't start doing it? Right. You know, and right. Zeke got that over him. Like shit, nigga. No, you wouldn't. Mm -hmm. nigga. Oh, man. And I'm sure like Michael feel, I mean, I ain't going to say like Michael still be insecure about it, but he'd feel a little bit better about it if Isaiah would kiss the ring a little bit. Zeke ain't yeah. never going to kiss the ring, Zeke bro. Zeke not doing that. Zeke not doing that. Zeke ain't never going to kiss the ring. And he shouldn't, bro. That's the thing is, I mean, we know this as Detroiters, but man, like back-to-back -back champ, finals MVP, sacrifice his own stats to make sure he's, and he still averaged 14 assists a game in the season, bro. Like what, what are we talking about with Isaiah, man? Man, people don't give Zeke credit for when they went to the finals three straight times mm -hmm. and really should have won that first one. Pe people forget about 88. People really forget yeah. about 88. He should have won that. Like, And even after he got hurt, they almost won and got cheated. Like. And maybe could have won 87, bro. So he had a five-year stretch at top of the league. Top of the league. You feel me? Like, And niggas don't really give him the credit for that. Like, In the league, all of those... Especially three of those five years definitely wanted Mike to be next. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like it was supposed to be Bird Magic Mike. Right. And Zeke was like, nah, nigga, Bird Magic Zeke Mike. But, bro, people really don't. I was talking to my homie Martin about this last night. Cause I'm like, I really feel like people take the Detroit part out of it and be real spooky about, oh, we don't want to talk about whether or not like people fuck with Detroit back then. No, in 1989, Detroit was a wasteland, bro. People wasn't fucking with us, man. Like, if they had to pick a Midwestern city, it was Chicago. It wasn't Detroit. Mm. So to think that, like, not only was, like, not only did they have to come here for parades, but also, like, we we were, um, we embodied sort of, like, what people thought about Detroit anyway. So it yeah. was, like, oh, Detroit, those rough, those rough, those niggers, basically, like, they don't, they don't respect authority, blase, sweet. And it's like, oh, and that's also how they win in their basketball games. Like, no, we don't fuck with them niggas. It's yeah. all of the same narrative, but I feel like people get real spooky when you talk about how people look at Detroit in the 90s and the 80s. And it's like, no, it's like back then people really didn't fuck with Detroit. The game is the game, bro. Like, we're not going to run away from history, though, you know? Yeah, and they, the league literally didn't want the Pistons to win, and they won. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's different. Like, at the end of the day, not to say they cheated for anybody or whatever, but they didn't mind Magic winning. They didn't, oh, no, of no, no. course, they didn't mind Bird winning. They wanted Mike to win. They ain't want the Pistons to win. You know, they did. I guess they hated. I guess we weren't good for ratings. We weren't good for ratings or whatever. Mm -hmm. And what a lot of people say about Zeke that he don't get credit for. Like a lot of people would put like Steph over him and stuff, and that's understandable. But the thing Zeke don't get credit for is he was not only the littlest on his team, he was still the enforcer mm -hmm. and leader. You know what I'm saying? Like. Steph is the most talented, but Draymond his backbone. Right. Zeke was the backbone. Yeah, he had some big dogs with him, but he was still like, they took on his mentality still. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
I mean, and that, that's because of where Zeke was from. I mean, that also goes into the Mike Zeke uh, rivalry. Was that Mike was the man in Zeke hometown? You know what I'm saying? For sure. So still to this day. But uh, but no. What was your like? So what was your favorite? I guess not Mike story. Your favorite side story of the of the whole documentary. Favorite side story of the documentary. Uh, that's a tough one to say on the spot. Cause I gotta, I gotta think about it. But uh, you know, probably, probably Dennis. I, I always, you know, Dennis is great, man. <laughs> All the Dennis stories always gonna be great. Scott Burrell, I'm fucking with Scott, man. My nigga went through a lot. <laughs> My nigga went through a lot. Scott took it all in stride, though, bro. Cause yeah, he did. Cause he he could like the thing about that is is like it's a lot of stuff Mike did that would have had to get checked. Like, come on, <laughs> chill, bro. Like, chill, bro. I know you might, but come on, bro. Come on. But at the end of the day, when you know the goal is bigger than like Mike knew the goal was even bigger than himself. Yeah, and you know what I'm saying, and when you know the person that's on you know that, you can take more. You know what I'm saying? Because it it open your mind to it. Like, shit, what what could happen if we really get on this train? True. You know what I'm saying, shit, three peats happen. But you got to be mentally. So Steve Kerr says something during his little vignette. I think that's probably my favorite part. Which I ain't know people didn't know the Steve Kerr story. I guess yeah, the like was good. I forgot about that. Yeah, I guess like I, I probably have more reason to know than than the average person. But yeah, like the story about his dad is crazy. But he said oh. he said something about um as a role player, he only has five to six shots a game, and so like those five shots take an extra level of mm-hmm. importance it, just in his mind because he know like I gotta make at least half half of these six shots. I gotta go fifty percent. They do though. And this is some. This is a conversation my brothers was having one time. It's like, what's a, not what's a harder job, but are these jobs just as difficult? To be a Steph Curry, the star superstar, but you get all the freedom to be it. And even if you miss, if you go over thirty, you still get to go out tomorrow and do it. Right. Or to be like a Lou Williams, where, yeah, you get freedom, but you still only get. So many shots, and you got to do it like the you 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 come in to impact a game flow that's already been created, right? Instead of creating that game flow, you know what I'm saying? And those are two separate like roles, but they are both like hard shit to do. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to be a six-man yeah. versus a superstar. You know what I'm saying? No. But it's also hard to be a superstar. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm thinking about Lou, and I'm like, because, I mean, when you, th- when you were going, Lou, Lou got to Lou gotta both get his shots and get to his shots mm-hmm. while not changing the pace of the game. Or, or while changing the pace of the game. Like, Lou might be brought in to, like, actually speed shit up, but, like, Lou... But it's also, it might be the other team started off hot, and it's 20 to 8. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's it's different. You coming in at a in a different mindset right. than just all right. I'm starting zero zero. Let's let's get it cracking. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's just a different type of mindset and approach, and it's different on your body. You 
yeah, you got to warm up, but you still sat down for 10 minutes and now you got to get back and get right back into it. Mm -hmm. Your first two shots are way more important than the shots at 4-2 versus 20 to 8. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's, it's like Kurt said, like, that's why playing with Brian is hard because it's like, yeah, he looking for you, but you still only getting like five, six shots a piece. And, and, and you're supposed to make, and you su I'm using air quotes, but you're supposed to make those shots. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, you're supposed to make them. But them shot like, them shots hard, like playing with James Harden. This nigga dribble, 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 and then just pass it to you. You don't got no kind of rhythm. But I'm supposed to be the shooter that make them shots. Like, no, that's hard. That's hard to make. It's hard as fuck making them shots. Right. But, you know, you are, it, but no, it was this clip. I want to say it was, no, it was uh, the 98 conference finals when they were talking about this jump ball. Jordan and Rick Smith had Jordan won the tip somehow because that nigga's the ultimate competitor. But he, he went the jump. Well, Rick Smith didn't win the jump ball. Let's put it like that. And um, they reset. Steve got, they, they swung to Steve. He had an open three. And it, it, I was amazed at the focus Steve Kerr had to like, in that moment, it's a big, it's a big shot. I think they were up one or down one, one or two. It's a big shot in that moment. Set his feet, looked down at the ball, got his rotation right. I was like, dog, that's mental, fortitude, talent, all that shit. I mean, you play at a higher level than me, but I'm like, yo, like, in a close game like that, I don't know if I'm going through all my paces to make sure that, like, my body is right so that my rotation is straight so that, like, the I know I'm going to make this shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, he did everything right to the point where he had to make that shot. Yeah, you, you learn that with experience. Yeah. Like, I was on Twitter with a conversation and people was talking about how Byron Russell guarded Mike on that last shot. Mm -hmm. And it's like his he he was in a bad stand. You know what I'm saying? He shouldn't have crawled all up on him. Like he should have played him from the three-point line instead of crawled all up in him. But it's like that's Mike's sixth ring. <laughs> like he composed. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Byron Russell, like, shit, we up one. All we need is a stop. Right. Let me get in Mike. I, you know, it's a you know what I'm saying? You don't and he never won one. So it's even different when you won five and ain't just been the five. Right. Or, you know what I'm saying? It's like, Mike was like, all right, I'm gonna wait for this nigga to go through and it's gonna be most space. I'm gonna go two hard dribbles. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He was thinking like he was explaining that curse situation. And Byron just like, shit, we up. Let me get a stop. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, cause I, when I was in the, uh, like, of course it wasn't the lead game six, but I was in my little championship game. It was, uh, conference championship at my D2. And it was like my first real championship game. And I ain't played good to the last eight minutes. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like I, I ended up with like 15, but they was all important buckets, had like 10 in the last eight minutes type shit. But it was like, nigga, at the beginning of the game, I was rushing my shots. You know what I'm saying? Because it was like, shit, it is. Because how you feel about the game, it make it hard. Mm -hmm. Like this is a championship game, so you just move fast to your adrenaline right. pumping. High. And like people be trying to say, like yeah, he could have just did this. Like no, nah, it ain't that simple. You're not thinking that clear. You watching this film, trying to critique it. Yeah, you gonna say, see what? Yeah. that's what people do. They have a game, then they watch the film. Yeah, you gonna say the right thing to do. Right. In that moment, like Mike was aware enough to be like, they run this play all the time. They didn't ran it so much. Mike was probably on some shit like that's last still, like mm -hmm. earlier in the game. Like, 
I see what they own, but I ain't gonna do it yet because he's gonna be petty. He, he a but. genius. That still is why he's gonna be the go forever to me, bro. It has it has nothing to do with like him making that shot and more to, more to do with the fact that like he knew that he knew what was gonna happen. I've never yeah, known yeah. for some I mean in context specific, it's like dog to set that to set up that shot, you had to like just be smarter than everybody else on the floor at a moment where like I know Utah's panicking because they thinking we in the lead. All we got to do is, like, not fuck up the next 40 seconds. We don't even got to score. All we got to do is not fuck up. And that's a different mindset from, like, trying to win the game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can tell even John Stockton was a little rushing, a little shook. Yeah, I mean, John, somebody made the point that, like, Stockton should have seen Jordan behind, like, waiting there. Like, John should never make the entry pass. Yeah, but he was on the same shit. Like, let me just get this bitch to Malone right. real quick. You know what I'm saying? Because that's it's his second chip. He never won one. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, shit, we this close. Let me just get, this shit been working all night. Let me just get it in Malone. Right, right, right. No. Nope. Like, yeah, I'm on that shit. And people take away from the layup before that. Like, they was down three yeah. with 40 seconds left. Nigga went and got a quick lay. Like, I ain't gonna try to shoot no three. I ain't gonna. He got, he got go. right past Byron, bro. He did by Russell so dirty that entire series, bro. And people, people underestimate my quickness, too, because they call this nigga a cat for a reason. But anyway, quick lay. Uh, the awareness we talking about for the, the steal yep. and the composure to make the shot. And then five seconds is a long ass time. Yeah, they, still had, yeah, they still had to get the stop. You still got the stop. Like, nigga, that's, that, that nigga different. He and then on top of all of that, I, I think we discount the fact that, like, I mean, this is the one reason why, like, I don't think I could have ever been a professional athlete for real. I mean, aside for, like, the athleticism, is I feel like my very first big, important game in front of, like, 15,000 people, I'm passing out, bro. So <laughs> to know Mike Mike on the road in racist-ass Utah, no offense to the non-racists in Utah, but in front of a lot of people, probably calling him a lot of not nice words, pressure situation, your last... Probably your last moments in the NBA game, and to do all of that, th- those forty-one seconds are like that's a movie, bro. Yeah, that's the best forty-one seconds in basketball. Though. Honestly, that's a movie. Uh, I was really like, and niggas like watching that game again last night. Like niggas, Scotty was fucked up. Scotty had eight points. So I got, I got, a, I got a, I got a Jerry Sloan take. My bad. Go ahead. Oh yeah, but Scotty had eight points. Kugos had like fifteen, bro. They weren't supposed to win that game. No, no way, no way. They weren't supposed. Like people be thinking, like the Jazz week or whatever. Like no, them niggas. Dennis ain't do shit to the second half for real, and it was really only rebounds. It wasn't too many points. He had like less than ten too. Like they weren't supposed to win that. He willed them to that. I'm so so I'm incredulous. I was telling my homie yesterday that Jerry Sloan, I'm I'm reticent to call a guy who coached his team to two NBA finals and is like uh, accepted as a NBA legend or whatever. I'm reticent to call him a bad coach per se. But between the flu game and not running Scotty off the floor in '98, I don't know what else to say, bro. Like for him to, I I was watching the flu game like a month ago, and yeah. Marv says during the game. Uh, Jerry Sloan doesn't want to know anything about Michael's medical condition because he wants to treat Michael as if this is a is a regular game. And I was like, 
That would be nice if this were a regular game. It's not, bro. Like, if this nigga has, doesn't have any fucking energy, run him off the court. Like, do what you got to do. And I feel the same way about Scotty, bro. Like, Scotty is running like a nigga with a bad back. Like, you can see it in his legs. He's running in a squat. Like, he can't run. Do what you got to do, bro, to pretend like these niggas aren't hurt. This, these are blessings from God. You know what I'm saying? Like, to be like, I'm just going to treat this like this is an average. It's not an average game. That is your chance for a title. You know what I mean? Like, you might not get back here. Do what you got to do. This is this is the rough and tumble 90s, right? Like, if Scotty got a bad back, throw this nigga on the floor. You said what? What you do in that situation? What you, if you were the coach, what you encourage your players to do? I don't know, but I, you, Greg Foster, throw that nigga on the floor, bro. Throw Scotty on the ground a couple times. I don't know. I feel like it's easy to be like, I'm going to be the moral coach and pretend like I'm going to play it kindly. But, that, but I guess more so. I think you were more so saying, like, I don't want to think like he's weak. I want I to think that. like he's you know what yeah. I'm saying? No, I, I I get the spirit behind it. All I'm saying is that like, what pissed me off more than anything. So I got I got conflicting reports because you hear Jerry Sloan say in the doc that he didn't even know Michael was sick, and Marv yeah. said specifically somebody went to Jerry Sloan with the information. He just disregarded it. Like, no, I get that shit out of here. I don't want to know. And it's like, bro, I don't know. I feel like if I was too if I was two games from a title. I ain't going to be the most moral coach, bro. I ain't going to pretend like I'm not. This ain't like college where you encouraging players to like, I don't know. Well, what can you do to Mike? He just sick. What can you really do? Up the tempo. Was- I don't know. Like put some, like run more screen and roll so that he banging in the post. Do some, do something to like make him have to use his body more. Same I with Scotty. I feel like they didn't really, Scotty said he's a decoy. You see, he can't run for real. This is a time, this is, again, this is a time where people was just like throwing elbows to do it. I don't see how Scotty Pippen to end up on the floor more just on general principle, dog. Like, I don't know. I could be I wrong. Feel I feel you, though. Like, I, I ain't mad at that take at all. I could be wrong. But like I said, like, I'm not about to really rag on the coach that got to two straight finals. Like, obviously, he was doing something right. But I feel mm. like, you know, in, in, in real time, that's the thing about Mike. I think that's why I consider him the go still to this day, too, is like, I feel like, I mean, LeBron did it a couple of times this decade, too, to his credit. But, like, I feel like in 1990 – so, like, in 95, Jordan was, like, worn out physically. It didn't take the regular season seriously, and they went in at, like, a three seed at, like, 49 and 33. I still would have thought they was going to win the championship because all they got – all Mike got to do is win 16 games, bro. He can do that. Well, back, back then, 15. He can do that, you know? And I feel like um, – I don't know. I just, I just feel like that to me that, that that sets him apart from everybody else is that like the regular season ultimately sets you up for the playoffs, but who do you trust to win 16 games in that tournament, dog? And I feel like Mike remains at the top of that list, bro. No matter what seed he got going into it, who gonna win you 16 games? I feel like that's still Mike. That's Mike for sure. That's Mike for sure. Hey there. Lead creative Larry Sanders dropping in just to let you know that What Suits Him is officially open for advertisements, partnerships, and the like. Our media kit, available at whatsuitshim.com backslash advertise, highlights our various components and what makes What Suits Him unique. And as we march toward our fifth anniversary this upcoming January, we're proud to say that we've not only sustained our initial mission, but have grown into places we never could have imagined during those halcyon planning days in December 2015. So keeping it short and sweet, we love to work with you and we know you'd love to work with us. So. Let's make it official. Check out our media kit on the Wasusum Instagram at Wasusum or at wasusum.com backslash advertise and shoot us a message once you're ready to collaborate. Talk to you soon. Somebody Photoshop LeBron in Mike's position 
with Scotty and Dennis Rodman next to him. And I look like, Shh, that's scary, though. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. That's scary, though. It ain't the same as Mike, because Scotty and Bron too much alike. That's they what I'm saying. Like, who who taking that who taking that last shot? Cause Scotty Scotty passing the Brian Brian passing the back to Scotty. Yeah, but I think though. See now, if there was never no Mike, like if 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 my if Scotty got to do the first three peat with Mike and then play with Brian, he would want the shots. I'm not saying he would take them. Mm-hmm. He would want. I mean, make them, but he would want. He would want. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no that's true. I think I was telling you last week. I was watching a, um, it was one, it was some game where Jordan was going crazy. He scored fifty five, and Marv makes a point to say during the game, like Scottie Pippen has been like noticeably absent during the second half of this game, and Scotty got an offensive rebound, dribbled it out, took a three, and I was pissed at that point. I was like, "Brad, Mike been doing everything else. Just give Mike the ball. Like, how dare you shoot the shot?" And he made the shot, but I was like, "Yo." That's got that had to have been the life of Scottie Pippen in the 90s. Like, he couldn't do shit right if Mike was hot. Like, just get a ball to Mike, bro. We do not want to see you. You see, you see, he said he was mad how he was portrayed in the dot. No, I ain't see it. Yeah, he said, I ain't, I don't know his reasoning behind it, but he said, you know, he upset about how he was portrayed, I guess, because he looked soft or something. But he didn't in the end of it, you know. They they brought I don't know. I don't know the reasoning why he felt like that, but he did say that. I feel like Mike undercut him a couple of different times. Even on Sunday, he may and I, I might be reading too much into it, but Mike got his way of saying stuff where he was like, um I mean, this this was him I, this was like a backhanded compliment because Scotty was out there fighting through a bad back. But he said, like, if Scotty is out there, Scotty's basically useless. So I'm taking all the shots, bringing all the energy, and I was like, or you could not have Scottie Pippen at all. Like, show a little bit of gratitude, dog. This nigga just couldn't help himself. Scotty, but Scotty got to realize he know Mike better than all of us. So a lot of shit you seen, you picked up on that a lot of the world did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you can look at Mike talking, know what he mean. Because he didn't say some shit behind the scenes to you that rubbed you the wrong way. Right. You know what I'm saying? But, you know. But I don't, I'm not mad at, I'm not personally mad. He didn't look. Soft, he looked like a nigga who matured over the mm-hmm. time that they was together, which is true at the end of the day. They all did. But I so saw how you how would you grade Mike as a teammate? And I say this, I asked this question knowing that like again, these were more his memoirs than an actual um documentary. Like this this was the story of Michael Jordan told by Michael Jordan. So mm-hmm. even the him calling Scotty Burrell a hoe and a bitch, like that was him selecting those scenes. I'm sure it got even worse in practice. Yeah, but right. but even so I I was comparing and contrasting. So that so the moments in the jazz, I think it was the 98 finals where they were having shoot around or whatever. And he's like lollygagging, joking around. Like I think Scotty was talking to Tex Winter or something like that. And Michael was like bumping in there. Like, he, he did the thing we do where, like, you jump into, bump into somebody and take the shot and call and one, shit like that. Like, he was having, like, a fun time with his teammates. But then they were having that shooting contest at the end. He ain't seem half interested. Everybody's out there clanking and airballing. And here he comes and he swishes. And now he's, like, lowering it over everybody. And I'm like, yeah. dog, that's got to be the Michael Jordan experience where, like, yeah, if he had a good move, he got to be the best teammate ever. But the second he decide he want to fuck with you, you just got to eat it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and I think that's the thing about it. Like, I, I don't know what grade I could give him as a teammate, but I can understand being in his position, 
some people are gonna like you, some people are gonna hate you, or it, it can end up they all don't like you. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's like he said it. It's like shit, when one they didn't go through what I went through. I was there since 84. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like he grew into having that mentality. He didn't come there with that mentality. He grew into having that. Like the piston, like all that made him become more hungry and more set on, all. Oh, this is the way to win. And if you want to win, you follow behind the leader at the end of the day. Right. And it's like, yeah, he going to do, like I can see myself in the position, like even me in college, like when I was the leader of my team, it's some shit I did that was kind of like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that some of my teammates, we didn't damn near scrap because I'm egging it on in practice too much. Right. Trying to, low-key trying to get niggas, especially my last year when I really, like, started to learn how to be a leader. It was more so, like, on the competitive mm-hmm. side. But I push a nigga to get him on that. Like he was saying, like, I was just trying to get Scott Burrell to, do, to push me, do something. You know what I'm saying? I didn't did that to niggas too, so I can understand that. At the end of the day, you did it to me, so I, I've <laughs> I've seen it. Low key, but yeah. So it's like, you know, it, like he said, like shit. Yeah, that's the way I played the game. Right. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to. You don't got I, to. You don't got to. Mm-hmm. But that's how I learned to win. You know what I'm saying? And you know. You can look at it like it's evil or it's necessary. It's, or it's a necessary evil. You right. know what I'm saying? But shit, the results is the results. You know what I'm That's saying? That's the thing, bro. History is written by the winners. Like, uh, I mean, my homeboy said this yesterday. Like, if Mike go one for six or two for six, we probably looking at his leadership style a little bit different, right? Like, yeah, he could have right. been nicer. He pushed his teammates too hard. Why, yeah. What happened with him and Horace Grant? Like, nobody, nobody really questions that, like, why Horace Grant left after the first three-peat. It kind of got brushed over in the documentary, and then Michael threw him under the bus for being a snitch. And it's like, and Horace Grant has come back and pushed back and said that I don't know what the fuck Mike is talking about. Like I had nothing to do with any of whatever Mike's whatever Mike's memories of that stuff, that stuff is. I don't know what he's talking about. But it's like if Mike don't go six for six, I'm sure we look at him a little bit different. And because Brian is, I mean, shit, we we throw the Brian being three for nine thing at him. You know what I'm saying? Like if he was seven for nine or six for nine. I'm sure Mark Force would be like, well, yeah, you know, like he shows that you could be more collaborative or you don't always have to take that last shot. But because he has a larger failure rate, it's easier to rag on the guy. So, yeah, I mean, that's just, yeah, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. And that's what I be trying to explain to Brian fans is like, yeah, you can theoretically say that that's the right pass. Yeah, you pass it to a guy who can shoot. Okay, yeah, it makes sense. But if he misses, and you lose the game, it's not the right pass, right. even if he can shoot. You know what I'm saying? Right. We would rather, like, people were trying to say, like, because they were showing some of the game winners might miss, people were trying to dog him for it. But it's like, when you're the best player on the team, if you miss, that's a miss. The whole team, the organization, all the fans can live with. If you pass it to Steve Kerr and Steve Kerr miss, they're going to be looking at you like, Mike, why the fuck you ain't shooting? Because that's just how it go. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's how it go. It's not that Brian don't make the right play. Yeah, it's percentage-wise the right play. But 
that that not like that's why people say numbers don't lie and it's like i don't want to say they do but they don't tell the whole story either you know what i'm saying because it's like it's it's gray area in that shit Brian saw on brand that he made the right pass during the All Star game. It's like, dog, didn't nobody come here to see y'all niggas win on free throws, bro? You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't come here to even see the right play in the All Star game. We want to see the wrong play. You wouldn't do a game. You know what I'm saying? It's like, bro, just it's like I I love the way he played the game, but it's like I can't call you the greatest because you don't. It takes a, a a level of knowing that my decision, like that, like Mike say, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to win. Right. If nobody else giving me shit, I do it all. Mm-hmm. And Bron not like that. If nobody else giving him shit, he gonna still try to pass it to him because they supposed to be shooters. Or he'll still get his 40. Like, I'm gonna get that to Bron. He'll get his 40, 10 to 10. But Mike is a nigga who would go get 60, 10 and 10. Mm-hmm. Like if Mike was if Mike was 6'9, 250, bro. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, or if Brian just had Mike's mentality, you just say it like that. It's like, how do you stop that man? How do you stop a nigga who miss a game winner and ain't afraid to shoot the next one? That's what people don't realize about Mike. Mm-hmm. He great because like you said, nigga, I why would I think about missing the shot I haven't mm-hmm. taken? Like that's that's the difference there. It's like I'm not worried about losing because shit. I should. I'm thinking I'm gonna make it because I haven't taken it yet. If I miss, then it's like damn, I I missed that shit. And it's about yeah. trusting the process, bro. Like I mean, Mike yeah. is the greatest mid range shooter of all time, and like you yeah. you got to, In a way, it's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy. Like once you put in the work, you got to know that you put in the work. You know what I'm saying? So once you out on the court. You can really believe, like, oh, I missed that shot. It don't matter. I'm gonna make the next one. You really, you really not even in the mindset to think about the next shot because it's like, mm-hmm. all right, I miss, like niggas miss. You know what I'm saying? Like, you gonna miss yeah. one out of every two, but here come the second one. I'm gonna make the next one. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, and that be the thing. It's like shit. The right play is the winning play. Yeah. And sometimes that's you making the layup. You getting the steal and you making the shot after the steal. Like sometimes that's the right play. You know what I'm saying? That's just how it goes. No, I, I remember watching this. I, this one of my final thoughts on it. But I remember watching those games as a kid. I remember watching one a couple years ago before any of like the Jordan uh, nostalgia stuff started popping up. And I remember seeing him. Sh- he was shooting like the percentage wasn't great. It was like nine for twenty six, something like that. But even as a kid, every time Michael Jordan shot, I thought it was going in. So at no point did I think any of them shots was bad shots. And I right. think that's kind of the point is that, like, I don't know. For some reason, you watch him and even the misses, like, so I'll have him on in the background now as I'm cooking or something. And as I'm cooking, I'll hear, like, oh, Jordan from 18, good. Jordan from 16, good. And then I'll turn around and watch the game for a second, and he'll miss two in a row. And I'm like, how I catch the misses, dog? That's crazy. But all them shots look good. You know what I'm saying? Every single one look like it's going in or it's in the flow of the, of the offense or whatever. Yeah, and like I said, like, nigga, if I'm the best player on the team, I'm living with my shot mm-hmm. at the end of it. Unless it's like, yeah, I drive and two people come double me and you wide open. Okay, yeah, I'm going to make the right play. But most times, the right play is me being aggressive first. Yeah. 
I mean, you know Scotty and Scotty and Dennis both said we knew he wasn't getting that ball, bro. So yeah, we knew, we knew, and and we could live with it. They was like, shit, this is Mike's time. Mm-hmm. It's Mike's time, bro. And then, you know, that's why like Brian works great with the killer next to him. Dwayne Wade in the early years, mm-hmm. Kyrie. Killer next to him, he, he, you can't be Brian. You know what I'm saying? But if he ain't got that killer next to him, that's why I don't really feel like like this year. I do like the Lakers, but I just think they can be beat because they don't really have that killer. Oh, yeah. AD is amazing. He ain't a killer. He ain't a killer. He ain't you know what killer. I'm saying? Yeah. And that's why it's like they got one of the best. They can definitely win it, but they can lose that motherfucker too. Yeah. But no, now I'm thinking sliding doors moment. Like, I mean, in hindsight, Jordan was always making that shot, right? Like, nobody ever didn't think from the second he escorted Byron Russell out out of his way that he Mm -hmm. wasn't about to make that shot. And so it's like, all right, Dan, what if Jordan miss it? I mean, so they, they lose game six. Scotty is in a terrible way. I don't even know if he can play in Game Seven. So, do they win that title? It's like, dang, so much could have, so much could have changed in like American history if Michael Jordan missed that shot. You know what I'm saying? Not even just NBA history. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, I mean, people have been speculating about whether or not Mike would have come back in '99. Could he have won in '99? I've been on the fence about that one because I'm like, I can see how a shortened season, Mike having that extra time off that I could like have been good for his body. People have been bringing up the thing about him slicing his finger. I don't know if that was that big of a deal, but mm. um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the 99 thing is, is an interesting conversation only because he won six, but it would have been interesting too had they ended up losing that series because if they lose game six, game seven would have been even harder, bro, because Mike, Mike, Mike gave everything he had in game six. So, yeah. so if they lose without Scotty coming in game seven and Dennis is a fucking wild card? Like, who knows, man? I for sure do think, though, if they lost in 98, he was more likely to win in 99 than if it went like it went in 98 and he came back. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If he lost, you know, Mike the type of nigga that's like, all right, this for sure my last year, I'm going out with a win. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can see him doing that if he lost in 98. If he win, he could come back, still give it his all, but shit just... Like, shit, 98 was probably the last year that he could also put the team on his back like that with them falling apart. Right. So if some shit went wrong in 99, it would have been like, nigga, we just ain't got it. But, but you know. He, I mean, the- he, he's kind of oversimplified getting the band back together in the doc, though, because he was just like, yeah. you know, just a lure going for seven would have pulled everybody back. Even Pip needed, might, might need a little bit of conv- convincing. But, I mean, he's not wrong like Kerr. Was probably a, a league minimum guy. He would have took that. It wasn't like they bench was deep, deep. Like I, Scott Burrell got. You said they would have got probably everybody, but like Pippen was the only wild card. I think. I feel like if, Pip, like if, if they gave Pip like I mean back then. That's the thing though is people keep bringing up the salary cap. I don't know how much Michael Jordan was making for the Bulls back then, but he was making thirty four million alone, and Pip was probably gonna command at least ten. And that's I'm, that's low. That's low. So, if the salary cap back then was like twenty five, thirty million, they already blowing past that just with them two niggas. So I don't know. I honestly don't know. I'm 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 making excuses for like multi billionaires. I don't need to be doing that, but I can understand how they would be like. I don't want to spend like you know, plus the salary. I mean, plus the luxury tax. Like I don't want to spend that exponent of money. I don't know. You know. You hear what Jamal Crawford said? What? He said Jerry Cruz wanted to break him up 
too, because he was close to getting, because, you know, Jerry Cruz got drafted. I mean, Jamal Crawford got drafted to the Bulls that 99-2000 year. Okay. That was, okay, that was that year. Yeah, so Jerry Cruz was trying, or Cross was trying to get uh, Tim Duncan, Tracy McGrady, and Grant Hill. And Jamal Crawford was saying that, like, he was close to doing it, too. You know what I'm saying? So he was like, he was saying, like, if I can get, if we can get them three young niggas, Jerry Cross was willing to break up the dynasty for that. I personally would still ride with niggas or at least just try to get Tim Duncan and Tracy and hope Mike stay or some shit. Mm -hmm. But I can also understand, like, them, them, them three niggas, you know who, if that was your plan to keep going after your dynasty broke up, you know a lot about who. No, I fuck with the vision. Orlando had the same vision. I feel like they, um, I mean, they got two of them. And I feel like T-Mac, I mean, uh, Tim Duncan was considering it. But I want to say whatever, I think the, um, which this story can't be true because this is way too wild to be true. But it's also too crazy to not be true. You can't make the shit up. Um, Tim Duncan asked Doc some about his wife coming on the team playing, and Doc said, "No, nah, that was like a, that was a non-starter," and that's what made Tim Duncan go back to San Antonio was that his wife can come on the team playing. Don't know if that's true or not, but that's that's what has been told over time. Mm. So if that's what cost Orlando Tim Duncan, that's shitty. Yeah, that's that's tough. <laughs> that's shitty. But I mean, no, I fuck with the vision. I feel like. I don't know, because, I mean, even after they blew it up, he had Elton Brand for a couple of years, who came in the league nice. He came in an automatic double-double. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. They just had a lot of bad luck, bro. Like, who would have thought Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler would both not be number one options? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, who who would have thought Jay Williams would have had that motorcycle accident? I still, I, to this day, I believe in Jay Williams, bro. Like, for some reason, I just think... Jay Williams one of the coaches, bro. To this Dude. day, I believe in that boy. No knocking Jay Will. Jay Will was too far. So even like the worst case scenario of that team could have still been a competitor in the East post Jordan, but sure, everything sure. everything went wrong, bro. So every, when everything go wrong, that's what happens when you put yourself above everything. Like you you was doing that more so to prove how good you were. Yeah, you know what I'm saying because you wasn't getting the credit because Mike was so good and Phil was so good. You know what I'm saying? But you put amazing pieces around them niggas for sure. Like, he was very good at his job. No, 100%. And then I be trying to be kind to shorter people because I'm taller. I try not to be, like, try not to bring that up too much. But he obviously had a Napoleon complex, dog. Like, to, to work in a league full of six, 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 seven niggas who, like, I, I mean, like, you have your, your two best players, six, 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 seven, is having to be two of the five best players in the league. But, like, I'm sure he looked at everybody else like, eh, you all are replaceable. And I'm the one who, like, actually hires all of you. So y'all going to show me the love I deserve. And it's like, well, actually, like, your two most indispensable players are the two reasons you will win the title. So be a little bit more grateful, Jerry. But, yeah, you know, for sure. I, I, get, I get it, side. I definitely get Especially it. Especially when you get to talking six titles. Yeah. When you get to talking six titles, it's more about the players than anything else. When you get to talking six. A coach can coach a team to one, maybe two. Players got to carry your ass to three, four, fives, and six now. But, you know what I'm 
but it's wild to me too, even about the the Krause Jackson situation about how um him and Phil wasn't even cool by the end of it, which it seemed to me like Jerry Krause had picked Phil Jackson to be the next coach. You know, I was like, Doug Collins went out his way to be like, I had a feeling that I was going to get replaced. And yeah. that feeling didn't come from nowhere. Obviously, Phil was trying to take his job. So I think Krause got mad that Phil started getting more credit than mm-hmm, him, too. Mm-hmm. And that's what it turned into. Like, I'm going to get rid of your ass, get a whole new team. And we're going to win again, and the whole world going to know that I was good at my job. Man, that's James. They said something during the 97, one of them playoff rounds, about how Phil Jackson somehow had a, had a clause in his contract that allowed him to negotiate with other teams while he was still in the contract with the Bulls. And so, like, during that playoffs, he had, like, had a meeting with the Grizzlies or some shit like that, and I was like, what like you was using the, this is when Vancouver was like not a place where people wanted to go, and I was like, "What kind of negotiating tactic is this, dog?" Where like you using the Vancouver Grizzlies to fuck with Jerry Krause? You are evil. You are really an evil genius, dog. <laughs> Wild things, bro. That's crazy to have in your clause, though. That's that's a good. You got a good uh, motherfucking lawyer, man. Shout shout out just Marv Albert in 1997, 98. Like just hearing hearing his uh, perspective on things was great, bro. Like his view his view of the world was incredible <laughs> on all things. Uh, him and Bob Costas. I, I don't know, bro. I miss NBA on NBC. I was talking to somebody about. I don't know why NBC Sports just ain't brought it back. I feel like they could make just so much money off nostalgia. Like we have NBA Sports on Sundays again. Don't y'all want to watch that? Everybody would be yeah. like, yeah, of course we do. Yeah. yeah, they probably just in the place they was in. Okay. And the NBA, nigga, they selling their rights to who they want to in this, uh, these days. Pretty much. Whoever got the biggest bag. They down there, start down, damn cable service on niggas. I don't know. Whoever got the biggest bag. They want, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, what you, what up? What you think about this year? And since they starting the league back up, where they they talking about it seriously? What you think about this year? I don't know what they going. So I don't know. I just feel like I'm being cynical about the cynics. I feel like no matter what they do, they're gonna complain about this ain't really a real championship, and like this is like. So let's say LeBron wins, it's not gonna be a real title. Let's say Giannis wins, it's not gonna be his real first title. Let's say I, I personally don't agree with that though. Okay, I don't either. I personally don't. But... Especially for Bron, a Bron, Bron especially, because to be older and to be in the rhythm you was in, mm-hmm. and to have it stopped out of nowhere, and to then start back up months later and still go win the chip. It's hard as fuck. No, I agree. I we don't we sympathetical on that, but you you know how Twitter work, bro. It's always the it's the other side. I mean, you kind of just got it. <laughs> but I've been trying to talk to niggas, and this is like, bro, you don't even sound like you respect the game the way you talk. Like, you gotta at least respect the game, or I'm just gonna just exit. The yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't hold the conversation. You can't even hold it. Yeah, because it's like, man, you got to understand how hard it is to get in rhythm. Like, people start to, like, and this is where I started to ease up on Brian. 
because I started to realize like I'm expecting greatness out of you and not appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you're not giving me probably the greatness I expect out of you, but you're giving me greatness right. though. You know what I'm saying? And people start to like, like, even when niggas talk about Mike and they try to bring up, he was playing against this person or this, that, and the third. It's like, you're not, you're not appreciating, you're not respecting the game saying shit like that. Cause somebody was saying Brian Russell don't really got deep. Nigga, Brian Russell's 6'7", 230, agile, agile. He the best option you got for Michael Jordan. On, on that team, it wasn't Jeff Hornacek. It wasn't fucking, I don't even know who else was an option. John Stockton? Like, he top three yeah. in the league. He, I mean, he three of the top people. You probably going to be like, shit, I'll try to be wrestling on him. I mean, because going back to the, uh, I think we talked about this in the in the, in the lost, in the lost pod. Uh, real quick, back to Jordan, but shit, for the first three P, he was getting checked by 6'3", Joe Dumars, and 6'2", John Stark. You know what I'm saying? Like, at least for the yeah. second one, you got somebody like Brian Russell who can look him eye to eye. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And heavier than him, so right. he can bump him in. It's like, yeah, he was facing more good team defense in his first three P. Mm-hmm. And his in his second one, it was like he had some individual niggas coupled with some teams that could affect him, but he just might. So you know, right? It still it still don't really affect. Him. You can't say that because you can't say niggas was weak because Mike was so good. And that's <laughs> what I don't appreciate. You know what I'm saying? That's what I don't appreciate, especially if you're looking at it today, like shit. A lot of these niggas only so good because the league's so weak. Like Russell Westbrook, as talented and as athletic as he is, he probably wouldn't be good like that in the 90s. No. Because the game was slow and they'll wall you up more. But, some, and all that. but somebody like, so we talked about this. We definitely talked about this in the Lost Pop. So somebody like, I think about somebody like, I'm going to use Ben Simmons even though this really ain't the perfect person I want to use. So somebody like Jalen Rose. Jalen Rose would be better today than he was in the 90s. Because I felt like once upon a time, the stuff he was good at. He got You You looked at some of his numbers, though? No, he was nice. Don't get me wrong. I feel like he'd have been, he'd have been like a five, six-time All-Star in his era, though, just because he'd, he'd be allowed to be like a, a point forward. Yeah, I, I feel like when... I mean, I think Jalen told the story about how when they lost in 98, he only played like I think thirteen minutes of game time, yeah. and uh, he was pissed at the end of the game. And Bird told him at the end, like I fucked up, I should have played you more. Like nowadays, mm-hmm. ain't no way somebody with Jalen Rose skill set in a game That's- like that ain't playing twenty five minutes, thirty minutes a game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, nah, for sure, for sure. So I think like it works both ways. Were you right? Somebody like Russ back then, because he couldn't shoot and the and the paint was more closed off, he looked way funnier in the light. Like the, because of the spacing now. He's yeah, and then the light, not to say that these niggas wouldn't get numbers and hoop right, right, and kick, right. but it's like in the light. And that's what people don't realize too. Like, people be saying KD get rings in the 90s. I don't know. It depends. It'd probably be top 50 all time still, but get rings. I mean, I what, what, what I think having people like KD in the 90s would do would make 94 and 95 a little bit more interesting. I think that's why I underrate so many 90s players. I feel like last time we had this conversation, I was like shitting on Pat Ewan and those guys a little bit. Not so much Charles, but definitely like the Pat Ewans of the world. Because like, 
Y'all had y'all opportunity in 94 and 95 to win a ring, and only one nigga did it, and that's Akeem Olajuwon. That's why I rate him so high historically, bro, because two people won mm. rings in the 90s. That's Akeem and Mike. Mm. And Pat had, Pat had his opportunity to win in 94 and 95. He didn't do it. Charles had his opportunity. He didn't do it. Clyde had to go team up with Akeem. So obviously, Clyde ain't that high. I mean, Clyde in my top 50 somewhere, but he's closer yeah. to 50 than 25. Uh, yeah. I feel like so many 90s legends had the opportunity in 94 and 95. And here came Shaq. I mean, not to discount Shaq and Penny. Like, they was nice like that. But that to they me, was, that, was a ch- that was a change in the guard. was like, well, if y'all had y'all opportunity. And then Mike came back and cut all them niggas off. You know what I'm saying? So Penny and Shaq was like that, like that, dog. No, they was they was nice. I'm I'm sick they ain't when I watched that series back when we was in college. And I was like, y'all really got swept. I mean, Nick Anderson missed them free throws. I'm like, dang, y'all really got swept. Like, dang, they that's crazy. Swept. So getting swept is surprising. And it, it says a lot about Mike, too. Yeah. It says a lot about Mike. But getting swept is surprising for sure. That was too damn good. Um but no, so I mean, what what you want to see in the in the comeback? Like, do you want it to be just a typical playoffs? You want sixteen teams? I want to go back to best of five first round at the very least, even though they keep everything else the same. Uh, you mean this year? Yeah, I mean permanently, honestly, but definitely this year. Like, I want a best of five first round again. Best of seven to be taking too long, bro. Last year I said. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that for sure. Like, last year, I for sure said Bucks over Pistons in three, and it was a seven game series. I was like, dog, don't nobody want to watch Game Four of that series, bro. Like, let's <laughs> let's wrap it up. Yeah, but yeah, so I, I just hope it's competitive. I hope they don't look rusty and shit. Like, I, they should do like a 10, 10, 15 games left in the regular. Is they gonna finish the regular season, or are they trying to go straight to the off? I'm. I think they' trying to. I haven't heard. Like, I was actually about to ask what you think they should do with the games they play, because I'm sure some teams just kind of want exhibition games. They don't want them to count toward the record. But then I'm sure it's a lot of teams who want them to count toward the record because they still might make the offs. So it's like you you got to weigh what all these teams want. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I think at the, they need to not go straight into the offs. Like, they do got to find a way to play some games first, whether they count or not, because you want it to be good basketball and competitive hoop. Right. Start them series. You know what I'm saying? And them niggas going to be rusty. You know what I'm saying? They going to be a little – they got to get their timing back. That shit going to take at least 10 games, 10 to 20 games, if you want real good you know, playoff hoop. Yeah. Also sacrifice the first round. So say you give them 10 games and then the first round and then the playoffs get real second round conference finals chip type shit. But then when you look at it like that, I'm sure like the elite, well not, I ain't gonna say like the Lakers and the Clippers and the Bucks care, but let's say you got a Nuggets team who kind of, I mean, they good, but they janky. You can see them getting beat in the playoffs. They, they rusty. Jokic come back, big fat. He ain't, he ain't touched the basketball in, in three months. And now, you, now they got to go through a uh, best of five first round. They probably pissed because they like, yo, we even get opportunity to get our best player in shape. We're going to get put out in the first round. This wasn't fair to us. You know what I'm saying? Like It's, it's going to be people that find I'm – just, I'm just playing devil's advocate for the most part. I don't care. I'm going to watch whatever they put on. But it's going to be people that's going to find in, – in the NBA that's going to find reasons to like – poke holes and whatever alternative they come up with. You know what I'm saying? For sure. I'm looking at, I mean, the West AC is still competitive because actually, no, it's not. Memphis got a three and a half game lead on Portland. 
Because they was talking about what would they do. Um, like what if Portland and New Orleans or Sacramento still in and San Antonio still in it technically. What would they do if one of them caught them? Would Memphis be upset because those games technically shouldn't count? I don't know. And then some people were saying they might not even include all 16 teams. It might be like 12 or 14. So, mm. yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, you kind of got to see. We'll see. It's going to be – yeah, niggas going to for sure try to uh, downplay this uh, ring, whoever get it. But, shit, nigga, Tim Duncan first ring was in the lockout year. Right. Shit. I mean, Phil Jackson tried to downplay that one, personally. Yeah, he did. He tried to put an asterisk on that one. I mean, I'm looking at everybody. Like, if the Clippers win, that'll be their first franchise ring, so it'll look janky. Um, nobody cares about Denver. I don't think nobody thinks Utah or Oklahoma City can win anyway. Somebody brought up, like, if they did, like, a um, NCAA-type single elimination tournament and Houston somehow won it, <laughs> that would probably be the wildest option. Yeah, but, it would. I can't see that one happening. It wouldn't win that motherfucker. I can't see that one happening, but... A single game elimination to make that shit interesting as fuck, though. <laughs> so, that shit is wild as hell. No, because it'll be... I, I'm even putting this in the universe, but it'll be that game where, like, AD don't have it and Brian don't have it. And, and we looking up, like, are the Lakers about to get put out? Yeah, like, Lakers about to get put out Denver? Like, damn. Because there were plenty of games this season where I'm like, it will be like 60 to 58 at halftime against like Chicago. And I'm like, what is wrong with the Lakers, dog? <laughs> like, why is this game even remotely close? Them niggas knew, though. They they still, they was just getting on the road, dog. They was just starting to really get their chemistry going when this shit happened. No, I, I was, um... I don't know if we talked about it, but I for sure was about to start my Brown for MVP campaign. I was I was really annoyed people just giving it to Giannis. And I'm like, I understand through 60 games, it's like obviously Giannis, but Brown averaging 26 and 12 on the on the one seat. And then people bring up the record. And I was like, no, nah, the Lakers only a half game behind the Bucks. And they and they split the season series. So it ain't like they that different. I don't know. I, I felt would, like it was I would, say, I would say if the season had stopped when the Ronda started. Giannis was MVP. Probably. But I, but I wanted Brian to get a better, a more extensive look than he was getting, for sure. Yeah, he, he, and he was about to start. They had, like, 20 games left. Right. He was about to start getting it because he had beat the, the Bucks and the Clippers back-to-back in, in convincing fashion. Mm-hmm. And they was, like, getting on that road. He was probably, like, he was probably going to get it. And Giannis was hurt. And the Bucks was losing games. So, yeah. like, that record thing had went out the window. So, like, I think... At- I, yeah, I had started telling people, like, shit. Giannis, yeah, he the MVP right now because I was having that argument with my brother. I'm like, yeah, he MVP right now, but people think the Lakers are further behind in games right. than they are. And they not at all. Oh. It was very likely the Lakers was going to end up number one overall seed, for sure. So, at that point... And that's the thing, people kept bringing up. I mean, I'm I I like PER as a stat just because I think it's very to the point. But people kept bringing up, oh, Giannis has this historic PER. He only plays 30 minutes a night, blase split. And I'm like, while I understand how that makes him a very valuable player, that can also take away from his value because he only got to play 30 minutes a night and they still drilling everybody. Like, Brian out there yeah. playing 36 minutes every night, bro. And in, in year 17, I will keep yelling that shit, bro. The argument against Brian is AD, though. 
Because AD started off the number one MVP candidate this year. Before Brian started getting in his rhythm, AD was hooping. He was, hooping. but Brian was Brian been leading the league in assists but, from from I the beginning. I say that of the because Giannis don't have that. He don't. Giannis he don't. don't have that other weapon that takes takes the attention off of him. Chris Middleton was balling this year, though. I ain't putting him in AD territory, but Chris Middleton was quietly averaging like twenty two a night, bro. Yeah, bro, but you still not thinking about like you think about AD as much as you think about Brian down there. You're not thinking about Chris Middleton as much as you're thinking about yeah. No, I, going I, I I get the point you're making. I think I I underrate AD a little bit, if only because like I mean the point he was making earlier about him not really being a dog. Like the only time I remember ever being like in the league being like, oh AD figured this out was that one playoffs against Portland. But other than that, I've never felt that way about AD in the league. And, like, all them stats, whatever, like, he go crazy, but I just never really trust him in the playoffs, bro. So, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but see, that's MVP ain't about the playoffs. You're right. Stuff. You're right. In regular season, AD, he trouble. And he was hooping. Like, it's, it's that, I just – I personally think that should be taken, taken into account when you're talking about MVP. Like, if you got another – top five MVP candidate on your team, it's like, you probably shouldn't get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, neither of y'all probably should get it because y'all eating off each other. Giannis out here, like, yeah, he got other weapons, but if you take Giannis off them team, them niggas ain't even weapons like that. But I, like, but part two of that is middle, like... What's this Middleton averaging if Giannis don't play a whole 82 games? He not averaging 22. He might, but the team gonna suck. I mean, uh, to that point. Yeah, or is it either gonna be twenty two in the team suck or eighteen in the team suck? Right. You know what I'm saying? No, Brian. The Lakers not gonna be as good, but they still might be AC. But but to me, there's there's a big difference. Not a, and I'm I, maybe I'm splitting hairs. There's a big difference between a one seed sixty four wins and an AC forty seven wins. You know what I'm saying? Like I I've seen LeBron lead teams to. Giannis, that's fair, They're but I guess that's, to me, I've seen LeBron be the leader of a 60-win team. I ain't seen AD do that shit. And so it's like, I can't put AD and Brian on the same tier, bro. Like, I, I never... LeBron is the more valuable player, for sure. Yeah. When you still have a candidate on your team, it's like, like, yeah, if you had to choose between them two, you give it to Brian. But you still got two top three or five MVP candidates on your team. No, that's and real. That's, that's real. Yeah, that's, and, that's, and it's like Shaq and Kobe. Like, people, people, like, as much as I know Kobe been cold his whole career, people also have to take into account when you've got a threat like Shaq on your team, it's a lot easier for you to score. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they send the three niggas at Shaq, and then he throw it out to you, and the defender running full speed, and all you got to do is jab and go buy him one dribble pull up. You know what I'm saying? You getting 10 points off that. Right. Man. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I like, you know, having that other threat make your job a lot easier. And I mean, in a way, in so much as like Mike, I mean, as LeBron can be Mike to AD as like Mike was to, uh, to Scotty. I mean, just just like over years of being like a grizzled vet or whatever, LeBron's been good for AD, bro. Like I said, like I never felt like AD had too much dog in him, and we ain't seen him in the playoffs yet. But he had a personality shift this season where like he did feel like 
I think AD probably felt like he was in, he was born in New Orleans or like he wasn't getting his due credit. It, it means more to him. Yeah, now. right, right, right. So, so it's definitely been like an attitude shift where I feel like LeBron's kind of taught AD how to carry himself more like a superstar than I'd ever yeah. seen AD carry himself before now. So, yeah. for sure. I, I agree with that. Yo, black men, are you tired of being told that men are trash? Are you tired of hearing over and over about toxic masculinity? Are you tired of having black masculinity defined for you? All in the videos, dancing. I bet. Check this out. Cue the music, please. My name is Jeremy Hurt, and Let's Talk Bruh is a podcast that I host on black masculinity. We have conversations on black masculinity and take it into our own hands, define it for ourselves, and break down what men are trash really means, as well as what it means to hold ourselves accountable for toxic masculinity and the ways that it impacts us and women. I have conversations on vulnerability, mental health, friendship, sex, and much more. Being a black man, as we know, is a full-time job with no days off. And Let's Talk Pro is a podcast where all black men can have deeper conversations outside of Twitter's 280 characters to vent, to laugh, celebrate our wins, and call each other out for problematic behavior like telling your boy to man up when he's crying because what does it really mean to be a man if you can't cry? With each episode, we try to do our part in considering and suggesting new visions of black masculinity. Let's Talk Bro drops every Wednesday anywhere you can find podcasts. Go go over the little Hall of Fame. Yeah, real quick. yeah. All right, so we got about twenty minutes left. Uh, so all right, so yeah, in the Lost Pod, we had a it was kind of a spirited debate about our Hall of Fame, <laughs> our Hall of Fame criteria. I still really haven't thought about criteria. Yeah, but, criteria. Um, I I threw some. I got some names that's already in the in the Hall, and some names that's probably gonna make the Hall and figure out. So I think like when I think about the Hall, I don't even think about. The Hall of Fame, because like we talked about, like like if you had a decent career at this point, you're probably gonna get in. And there's a whole bunch of technicalities now. Like, I yeah. I got Yao on my list, who probably well we'll talk about Yao, but he was gonna make the list as a international player anyway. This is just a technicality. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's mad ways to make it into the Hall. But when I think about the Hall, now I just think about who were probably the top seventy five to one hundred players of all time. Yeah. And in the, in the NBA, also with the Hall, they don't want to not. Put like it's certain people who had superstar uh, aura, I can say, mm-hmm. who may not have the Hall of Fame criteria, but they were so culturally impactful, or in or just basketball-wise impactful that it's like you still got to put them in the Hall because the, they a memorable character in the league. You know what I mean? And the NBA is good at doing that. But take somebody like who who will never make the hall, but I feel like Gilbert Arenas has lost the time, dog. I swear to God, Gilbert Arenas has lost the time, bro. Niggas will yeah. never remember how cold Gilbert was from like 05 to 08. People yeah, the only really... thing about Gilbert, he ain't do enough in the offs. No, he didn't. He, yeah, he didn't. He and that's why I hold a lot against Tracy McGrady. Like Tracy on the list. We don't talk about Tracy, but no, go mm-hmm. ahead. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say like, I would still put him in the offs, probably, but he should. I mean, the Hall of Fame, maybe, but he shouldn't have been first ballot at all. All right. I mean, like, we, we can start on Tracy. So I was going to ask you, Tra- Tracy, make the Hall or not. You said, yeah, but not first ballot. Yeah. I, so I, I feel like I wouldn't necessarily, somebody who said no, I wouldn't necessarily be like, you wrong. So I ain't going to hold you. I was shocked when I saw he made first ballot. Yeah. I, um, I didn't. I mean, just a sign of us getting older. I didn't even know he was eligible for the hall. And then 
I think part of as much as I love Tracy in Orlando, um, I really fell off on him his, the end of his Houston run, and then the end of his career got real sad. Like he, the year he spent with the Pistons was real depressive, bro. Like I, yeah. I think he was still on the team. When I heard they, you guys was tough too. Yeah, so. Uh, when I found out he was, I mean, Tracy McGrady is a legend. I feel like any t- anybody that averages thirty two a game in in one season deserves some flowers at least. But he did it a couple times. Um, yeah, oh two oh three, he averaged thirty two point one a night. In the next season, he averaged twenty eight a night and still led the league in scoring. Um, he did not shoot that great though. Forty one percent of from the field. Shit. Uh, I mean, ain't bad, but he down from forty five the year before when he shot when he averaged thirty two a night. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess I felt like because I remember his, the end of his career going so bad, I never thought of him as a first battle Hall of Famer. But he didn't go in with nobody. I think we talked about that too. Is I think not that it's totally based upon your class, but also like Chris Bosch was eligible this year. I think in a regular year, well, he's on the list too. I think I would have him first ballot most years though. Uh, two rings yeah. and eleven All Stars. I feel like I would have Chris Bosch first ballot for sure. You said what? Chris Bosh first ballot. But so, but you, so are you, but you understand why he didn't make it this year because he was on there with Kobe and Duncan and KG. Oh, this was his first eligible year. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's tough. So it's just kind of like he was never going to make it this year just based on general principles. Like, he not, they're not put him in the same class as Kobe and them. Yeah, yeah, they just, they also just wanted to be like Kobe, Tim Duncan, and who KG said. Oh yeah, that's them three deserve to go in together and just get their flowers together. Chris, I mean Bosch though, like, cause who had a better career to you, Bosch or KG? I listen, I I ain't the biggest KG fan. I appreciate him historically. I am, but, so I'll, I'll let you take that one, cause that's the thing is I've always felt like KG kind of skated. Until 08, and then he won a ring, and then it was like, okay, cool. Now we can finally appreciate KG as an historical great. And it's like, eh, to me, he's the same guy with a ring. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know. I always felt the same way KG, about KG. Nah, I see KG, nah. No, I'm not saying KG wasn't nice. And my homeboy made the argument, too, about, like, them Minnesota teams were never that good, which is 100% true. I'm not running from that. But. They had, like, one good team. When it was, like, Latrell and Latrell, uh, Sam Cassell, and- Troy Hudson. I fought with Troy yeah. Hudson. Um, yeah. Yeah, he had, they had like two years. They had a two-year run. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 100%. Like, I, I agree with all that. But I guess I, guess I kind of felt like it was – the four was so stacked once upon a time in the West anyways that I was like, I'll take Tim. I'll take Dirk. I'll take Chris Webber. That, that automatically put Kevin Garnett at like four, bro. So, at that point, I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'm good on Chris Webber. You taking all them over prime KG? That's tough. I would take. That's tough. Like I love Dirk. Yeah, I'm taking Dirk. But a young Dirk versus young KG. I'm taking Dirk. The, the, the only the only one I don't feel great about is Weber, only because we like whatever. But Weber had. I looked. I remember looking at Weber stats not that long ago. KG different. See, nigga, KG different, bro. Like Dirk. Dirk game aged very well, and Ma- and the Mavericks found a way to build a team around Dirk. You know what I mean? Yeah. But a uh, prime KG in them years where he was having weak teams, nigga, 
nigga, nigga was an animal out there. And Nemo. No, he, he himself was a dog. It didn't amount to nothing. I'm not denying that he was a dog. He ain't had, like, you got to think, when he finally got a team built to his, which was also in his older years, he wasn't old, but when he finally got a team that kind of fit his playing style, nigga, they won the chip the first year. You got to think, Brian, D-Wade, and Chris Bosh went to the Heat together and didn't win their first year. All right. You put them niggas together in their first year and they won. That says a lot. Huh. That says a lot. Like, hey, I mean, but I still, like, if I'm going to still do my top players, I'm putting Dirk over KG for sure, career-wise. I'm looking at Dirk, I mean, KG and Chris Bosh is a tough one for me at the end of the day. I think I'd probably take KG over Bosh. Career. If you're looking at career, it's not like, if you pick a team, you'll probably pick KG. Right. But if you look in that careers, who had a better? Or who's, you know. Who's what you take, it. yeah. It's close. It's close. Yeah. Dang. I mean, but Bosh, that's the thing is Bosh went and decided. That's the, It's kind of a similar configuration. I think KG was probably still closer to being the best player on Boston than Bosh was being the best player. Yeah. On Miami. But, but I mean they was playing similar roles. They both had to like K- KG's count numbers went down when he got to Boston just because he ain't taking as many shots no more. But mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like they both played similar roles. I feel like they both had to be like kind of the defensive anchors. It was it's funny. I remember thinking back, now he's talking about Bosch's career. I remember he got hurt that second playoffs. Um, I think they was playing Indiana. And they, and they was missing Bosch. I remember Bosch went from being the scapegoat to them being like they need Chris Bosh's facing. And without Chris Bosh, he they 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 might not make it out this series. I'm like, it's crazy how them how they'll flip on you when the narrative needs to change. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. but no, to that point, I think that uh shit, the fact Chris Bosch was was willing to like have that the career he was willing to have, like that kind of speaks to his career too. Like he was willing to and I mean, I don't know. So I just one of the like general criteria I've had for the Hall of Fame that I've been able to like make out. I don't know if like in your you know, my player on 2K, how they have, like, the nine criteria, how to make the Hall of Fame or whatever. And one uh-huh. of them is make, like, three All-Star games. I don't think that's enough. I feel like I have Joe Johnson on the list. He's not going to make it. But Joe Johnson has, like, 21,000 points and eight All-Star games. And to me, just based off of, like, though, if I heard those two things, I'd be like, oh, he's going to the Hall of Fame. Like, duh. <laughs> but, I, I mean, obviously, context means Joe Johnson ain't going to the Hall. But... He's had moments like he, I, I saw Joe. He he made some game winners. I don't know. I don't know what your opinion on Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson Hall of Fame. I don't think so. I don't think so. I like I love his game, but I think if you start all stars, all star games is cool and they and they hold some weight. But if I'm a say I had to do out of a hundred percent. All star games would be like ten percent, mm-hmm. unless you get like fifteen in the midgets. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I think it's more so about. I mean, this, your stats is another. I would get stats like twenty percent. You know what I'm saying? Wins or fit? Let's say stats fifteen percent. Winning twenty five. Uh, your position on your team, you know what I'm saying? Like, 
you Robert Hurry versus Kobe Bryant. You know what I mean? Uh, It's tough. It's tough. So, it's tough. So, it's tough. So, so, would you put? I don't think Chauncey's in the hall. You said Chauncey. Yeah. You don't think he Hall of Fame? You, you know, I ain't the right person to ask that question, bro. You know, I think he is, but I, I'm trying to think. I, 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 I would say, I would say, like, like I think if you get to a chip and you're the leader of your team. You know, that's like he don't get Hall of Fame just for that. Yeah, Chauncey is tough. Chauncey, definitely not first ballot. No, he's not first ballot. Not definitely not first ballot. He has such a weird career that, like, I feel like if he had if he had a more conventional career, where like he stayed in Boston for a little bit, was they six man? Obviously, got better and then came to the Pistons and then took off like he took off. But I feel like the, because the first half of his career, everybody thought he was a bust, that he kind of is underrated historically. Because the second yeah. half of his career is actually like one of the better point guard careers of all time. But yeah. it's just the fact that his first six years was so bad that everybody's kind of like, ugh, Chauncey Billups. So I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like... If I, you give Chauncey Billups Hall of Fame, do you got to give a Joe Johnson type career Hall of Fame? But somebody like... So I got Joe Dumar's name on my list because Joe's in the Hall. I don't know if Joe Dumar should be in the hall. I honestly don't. I think. I mean, I think he was one of the best shooting guards and probably one like the best era of NBA basketball. I think. I think because of who they beat here in the hall. Okay. Okay, that's the thing, bro. Yeah. Is like these criteria. Like, I feel like you put like. I mean, we can put percentages on them just to like do it, but. I think it, it starts to like ebb and flow based off of context. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it does. It does. Cause that's why, like, as much as Tracy McGrady, a lot of his numbers are great. It's like, bro, I don't even think you ever got out the first yeah, he round. He didn't get out the first round. You know what I'm saying? Uh somebody like somebody like, let me think of a good name. Uh Chris Paul. He's obviously Hall of Fame, like he. But is is Chris Paul first ballot? I think so. I think people were. I think people recognize him as the best point guard since Isaiah. If not, I mean, it's been a him versus Steph sort of conversation. I've heard the last couple of weeks. Um, I think I would put him. I don't know where I'll put Chris Paul historically. I think he's first ballot Hall of Fame though. I think he's the best pure point guard, whatever that pure means since Isaiah. I'll put. I'll, I'll give him that title. Yeah, I don't know if that makes you first ballot though, because people put Chris Paul over Isaiah Thomas in 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 top. Historically, 50 no, I can't go that far. People do that, and it's like, bro, he had more than enough opportunity to win in the era that was wide open for anybody to win. He was supposed to be the next best point guard since Isaiah, and he let Steph Curry come take mm-hmm. all of the accomplishments he was supposed to get. Bro, I, so, I'll never forget. This is to me the ultimate Chris Paul story. Is um the year his last year in in LA? I think Blake got hurt like game one of that series or some shit like that. They was playing Utah, and he he like did he went crazy in game six, and some website wrote an article about would he have like Chris Paul is such a point guard like would he have it in him just to become, like, a two-guard for a night. Like, bro, it's a game seven. Your team needs you. Go get 50. Like, do what you got to do. 
And that nigga went out and had like 19 and 11. Like he had a Chris Paul ass night. And I was yeah. like, dog, like, come on, bro. Like you were the best player on the court. Yeah, that's what separate Isaiah. Yeah, Thompson. exactly. 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 And that's why I was like, I I wouldn't mind Chris Paul being first ballot, but I don't know if I was the if I was the judge and juror, I don't know if I would first ballot. I don't know. I think I put him on my first ballot. But then, too, like we said, it's all contingent on if he going in the same year as, I don't know, LeBron and... Oh, I got Carmelo on my list, too. You got Carmelo going in? Yeah, see, he a tough one, too. I mean, the, the, I mean the, the Basketball Hall of Fame is college, too, so he getting in. But it's like... just yeah. So, NBA career... And he got them Olympic goals. Based off NBA alone, if he, if he never touched the Olympics and he was just like... The number two, number three pick in the draft out of Syracuse, but he got put out in like the lead or some shit like that. Like, will he still be a Hall of Fame? Yeah, alone, he like Tracy McGrady to me. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, not for real, but you know, as long as you ain't first ballot, I ride because I fuck with your game. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But if you just look at his career, I don't know. Um, I can't say yes to that. Yeah, I, like it's, it's all about that's the thing, bro. Is um, because I think the NBA is too lenient with that criteria. No, that hundred percent. That's that's kind of why I want to talk about it because I'm like, it's it's hard for me with Carmelo. I feel like I'm biased toward Carmelo too. I feel like now right. he's underrated, and then I mean in a Hall of Fame that has a, a looser criteria, uh, he's getting in. But I'm like, okay, if if it was really a, a building where like. Every year, there can only be a hundred statues in this building, and you can. And every year, it's going to be three new people, and your statue is at risk of being put out. Would I feel comfortable building a Carmelo statue and know it's going to be in that building forever? And I, I can't say that, bro. Like I don't really know if Carmelo like meets that criteria. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah. So he he one of them nostalgic guys, like. Like if if he would have got drafted to the Pistons, it'd probably be a no brainer. You think? Mm-hmm. I've heard. I've well, I I don't know how reliable these stories are, but like I heard that he wasn't. There was some like um, some character questions about him coming out of Syracuse about whether or not he'd be disciplined enough. So I'm I, this 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 might be like I, I would bet my house that those rumors started with Joe Dumars. You might be right. So actually, I, so part two of that. No, part two of that story is they really like Darko, bro. They really like Darko. Yeah. They said, "Let me tell you, I'm, I, I probably this is this really ain't my story to tell, and I don't know if I should tell it." But I, I'll leave it to you. I'll let you decide. Coming out, of, coming out the draft, I ain't gonna say no names, but Buddy Dumars ass. I can see that narrative coming from him because he said that about Detroit players. Okay. Like, you know what I'm saying? He 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 wasn't really a like Melo from Baltimore. Right. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't really that kind of he ain't embraced that kind of background type shit. Okay. You know? And I can see that being, you know, very like that's why he ain't picked Melo, low key. You know, I can see that being the truth. I don't know that for sure, but I can see that having a lot to do with it. I listen, I, I don't hate to take all I know is I've heard a story that um 
they were playing, the Pistons were playing the Nets that year in the playoffs. Darko had come over for the draft lottery and was staying in New York. Just so happened by like the biggest coincidence of all time, Darko decides he wants to go work out and is taken to the gym where the Pistons are having a practice for the playoffs. And mm. Joe Dumars is at the practice and gets tipped off that Darko is working out across the curtain. And the Pistons damn near shut down their practice to go watch Darko work out. But apparently he bodied the workout. So they left that workout being like, oh, my God, we got to take Darko. We got to take Darko. And yeah, the rest is history. If you pick a nigga off a workout versus what you've seen him do in the NCAA tournament, you don't deserve your job. At all. <laughs> you don't deserve that. Especially when it's what Melo did in that motherfucker. He scored like like what Clay do all in points with like 11 dribbles. Mm-hmm. That's what that nigga did. And that he probably dribbled the ball 50 times in the whole NCAA tournament. And, and averaged 25. Melo the one dribble pull up guard. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I will say though, I like, I mean, I wanted Melo. I do remember coming off that playoffs where T-Mac locked up Tracy after I thought he was getting put out in the first round. And I was like, man, we got Tayshaun. Like, we good. Like, we don't, we don't necessarily need Carmelo. That, was, that wasn't a great take. But I was, I was in on Tayshaun. I was in on Tayshaun. Well, I don't think people gave Melo the credit of how he would have been able to fit with that team either. Yeah. I think a lot of, he, I think a lot of people presumed he wasn't going to want to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, he wasn't yeah, going to want to fit but- in. His game was just good for it. You know what I'm saying? His game was just good for it. Yeah. It would have been hard. I understand it would have been hard to just start him. I do feel that, especially when you still got she. We we didn't even have she just so like, but bro, like the sliding doors. She, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like, if we take if we take Mello, do we trade for she? Somebody brought up Chris Bosh. I'm like, we already had Memo Core. Who was technically starting before we had she and who I, I like Memo too, bro. I was big on Okur. So I'm like, I don't, bro, so, so many things go differently if like we take Melo at the three, at the at, at the two instead of uh Darko. I still think we take Melo though. But then part two of that, I was telling I think I was telling Keenan. Like Larry Brown didn't play young guys, bro. He had Brian and Melo at the uh, Olympics. Didn't play neither one of them. So who's to say he who's to say we take Larry Wade or, or Carmelo and Larry Brown still fuck it up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, that should be funny. Uh, but last person, uh, Dwight Howard. I feel like that was the... Yeah, I kind of changed my take because I thought about it. I feel, I, I wasn't... I ain't put them defensive player of the years and he made it to a finals as the leader on the team. You know what I'm saying? All star game, yeah, he, he obvious. Obviously. I feel like he had a that's the thing is, uh, reputationally, like now I can get why people are off Dwight Howard, I totally understand, but he had a better start to his career. I think people remember, I like he, he went through it's because it was the first half and the second right. half, so mediocre, right? You know, yeah. right? I, but I was, yeah. I was thinking about him because I, mean, I was playing 2K this morning, which I was playing 2K before we got on. And Dwight is on, um, in my, my career, he's on the fucking Grizzlies now. And last year, he was on the Hawks. I'm like, dang, like, Dwight Howard's really a journeyman now. And I'm yeah. like, dog, that's crazy to think that Dwight Howard, and I thought about Shaq. I mean, Shaq really wasn't a journeyman, journeyman for real, but he spent the last three years of his career just, like, kind of ring chasing. <laughs> yeah. 
It's like that's crazy how that happened to big men, bro. You look up and they in a jersey that you did not expect. Yeah, because big men, they when they get old, you know, they become liabilities. You know what I'm saying? But they, Especially but they like, become bodies though. Like Sean Kemp, I was watching Bulls, yeah. Bulls somebody, and Sean Kemp was old and fat and playing and was getting buckets. And I was like, damn, it's crazy that Sean Kemp is just like the old man off the bench now. Like I remember when Sean <laughs> Kemp was like dunking on niggas and pointing at them in the air. Like, no. Nah. So. Uh oh, actually, sure. actually last name. Cause did, have you seen the Reggie Miller Clay Thompson comps that's been coming up on social? Not really. Yeah, Not really. like I, I got on Twitter the other day after a nap and it was like Clay versus Reggie. Uh, Reggie's in, Reggie's in the hall. I think Clay is. Reggie's had the better career, obviously, just because he's had a longer career. I would take Clay over Reggie in a heartbeat, though. I don't know where you land on that. Clay over Reggie. Uh, I wouldn't say a heartbeat. I think just based off I'm not mad at taking Clay because Clay is a competitor, though. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, because I, I, I was going to say I'd take Reggie because I thought about how much of a competitor he is. And I'm like, shit, Clay is too. You know what I'm saying? So I, they they pretty close to me, for real. Clay probably, Clay shit wet, wet. But. I'm, I'm, think, I'm thinking both ways too. Like, I feel like Reggie, Reggie going to try on D, but. Uh, Clay is a better defender. Reggie going to try, but Clay a better defender. Right. So that's that's what y'all I was basing it on was like, is Reggie gonna get his bucket? Sure, but and then somebody made the point about Reggie never winning slumps and Clay going slumps sometimes, and I'm like, I feel like people just be pulling these arguments out their ass. I'm like, did you watch? Yeah, like, did you watch enough Reggie Miller to know he didn't I mean, go into slumps? You can't though? say that, bro. Like you can't say that. <laughs> like, like no. what? Come on, bro. It's a hard to. Like, it's hard to even think back to. 2008 and remember if Kobe ever went in the slump. You know what I mean? So to to just say that is fucking ridiculous, bro. You think back to 90, all of the 90s and a couple of the early 2000 years and he's never come on. I was like, yo, like people be just be talking online. Everybody going slumps. People just be talking online, but that's a good that's a good argument, but I, I wouldn't whichever one I end up with, I'd be cool with. No, I for sure be I'd be happy because I feel like whatever I'm giving up on defense and Reggie, I know like like with the competitor, and then when the game is tight, at least I know he ain't gonna be scared. Yeah, he and he won't decide. Right. He won't decide. And if you if you build the team, you might have somebody who may be your go to shot taker. But shit, if Reggie out there with him and end up with the shot, you cool too. So it's like, just like Steph and Clay. Like Steph probably gonna be the one they give it to, but if he end up swinging that bitch to Clay, you cool with that. Clay, you know Clay I mean? honestly the one I won't take it and keeping it a bean. Um, but no, I listen. I think I listened to a Reggie. I did. I listened to a Reggie Miller historical podcast a few months ago where they were trying to figure out how he ranked historically because Reggie's good for like I think he averaged like eighteen a game for his career. The numbers ain't crazy. Didn't really, didn't really have assists or a rebound. Like, I think Reggie's career average is like 18, 3, and 3. He would have games with like 21 rebound, no assists, shit like that. And it's mm-hmm. like, what do you really do with a guy with those stat lines? Um, but David Aldridge made the point in the doc 
which is which is actually honestly my favorite thing about Reggie, is that Reggie always believed he was the best player on the court, and he actually might have been, except for when he's playing against Michael or whatever. But Reggie literally carried himself every like no matter what his numbers were, Reggie carried himself like he was going to beat you, and that's yeah. that's a talent. And, and, and people don't take into account like an effective twenty, like I was talking about earlier, like. I ain't played good that whole championship game, but I ended up with 15 and 10 in the last eight. Right. Like Reggie Buckets was all like, from a competitor standpoint and knowing like, okay, this going on this, this team going on a 6-0 run, mm-hmm. let me stop the mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Shit like that, which is where I don't need to score 30-35 because all of my 2022, be important buckets that keep us close, and when the game on the line, I'm gonna edge us out. I'm saying that's a level of play that's hard to just see if you don't understand what you're looking at. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like most people look for the blowout or look for the convincing wins because that's 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 the more like striking, obvious, dominant. You know, I'm saying we we can we can put it like a dominant score on that, right? But it, it, it does take a level of, I mean, the thing B.J. Armstrong said about Mike, about how by like 92, it was less about winning the game and more about controlling the game. Yeah, and you, right. And you, and you got to know, like you said, when a team is going on a 6-0 run, a 10-2 run, okay, let me go get this bucket. Let me go get this. Let me go get two free throws real quick just to like slow yeah. the game down, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, and that's the difference. Like, because when I look at, I don't mean to even bring myself up in these conversations, but that was my, strength and hoop was that I understood game flow and momentum and, and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And I knew how to impact the game for us to just stay in it to be decided in the right. last two. Right, right, right. But I ain't gonna just go out and get 30. But I might end up with, I might end up with 30, I might end up with 12, 15, but it's gonna be what the game needs. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that's what some players just, are and can do, and they excel that way. Right. You know what I'm saying, and and that's harder to notice. You know what I'm saying than just like a a presence, like a LeBron on the floor or a Giannis on the floor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I agree. I hundred percent agree. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's it. We we did basketball for an hour and a half. So I'll let you go. We do. We can do a, a strictly music one next. Uh, oh, yeah. We got to if we do a musical one day, we got to talk more than Willie too. We got to talk like you know, like we talk about who. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm still I still got to uh, sign people up for these album of the decades for the next couple seasons. So, oh I, yeah, I'm, sh- I'm gonna shoot you the list. See which one you want to do. Okay, that that works. That works. But for sure, you got you got something you want to plug right now, just off the top. You know me, man, Willie Mac Jr. I'm on all streaming sites. You feel me when the world open back up, the Craig gonna open back up. Yeah. You know, that's that's just what it is. You gotta have y'all gotta have a big Craig block party once the world open back up. I'm gonna come. I'm, I'm gonna come home for that bitch. And there though, yeah, we gonna be. I, I, I'm gonna do a one on one tournament at this home too. Oh, true. I'm gonna get a little. I'm gonna roll a, a hoop out in the street. We're gonna do a Bring the food truck out. That that actually could be a good little function. Hell yeah, get a DJ. You feel me? You know. That could actually be a good little function. But <laughs> but for sure, yeah. Uh, check out all his videos on YouTube. Check out everything on Title, preferably, but on all streaming services. 
You already know. Uh, but yeah, bro, that that you ain't got nothing else. We can uh, we can wrap up. I'll let you uh, what you about to do? You about to stay down there? Or you about to go to the crib? I'm chilling for sure. I'm about to go look, man. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. All right, yeah, we got this in the can finally. Appreciate your patience, dog. Oh, yeah, man. You know, that's whenever, bro. I, I mean, this type of shit I like doing. So that's whenever. Whenever you got an open week, hit me, bro. For sure. For sure, for sure. But all right, bro. All right, my nigga. Be safe, yeah, bro. Yeah, the same. All right, boom. One more time. Thank you to the good brother Wills for <laughs> for giving me four hours of your time, all things considered, given the lost episode. But um, please stream Willie Mac Jr. wherever you stream your music, be it Apple Music, Spotify, or Tidal. So hopefully Tidal. And I'll also link to his YouTube channel in the episode notes so that you all can check out his music videos today. They've all been super creative, super, super Detroit. Um, so Willie's been super, was super instrumental and, ha- and remains instrumental in lighting the spark for the Detroit entrepreneur and the Detroit creative, young creative, um, over these last couple of years. He, I mean, between the music and street cred, which we didn't even get into, which is the multi-purpose event space he opened with his family, the Crawfords off the Detroit Riverfront. Um, If you know how to access downtown Detroit, you know how to access the cred off East Jeff, 6340 East Jefferson. And um, and if you haven't been yet, there will be plenty of opportunities for the cred, for you to visit the cred, um, hopefully in the coming months. But, yeah, the, the credit had become a very vital space for events, for small businesses, for small black businesses, for young entrepreneurs trying to get their businesses off the ground. And um, this video is very excited for the, the, the growth of the cred and for uh, Willie's growth as an entrepreneur in, in addition to the music. So, um, yeah, super proud of you, bro. Please keep it up. Please keep being the inspiration and the change you want to see because, um, yeah, I'm excited to watch it. And y'all stream Willie Mac Jr.'s music wherever you stream your music. I know he'd appreciate it and I'd appreciate it for sure. Um, also, let's talk, bro, a podcast on black masculinity. I know y'all heard the voice of host friend of the podcast, Jeremy Hurt, around the two thirds mark of this episode, but they just wrapped uh, their very first live virtual workshop series. I only was able to attend a couple of the workshops, but the couple I was able to attend were phenomenal. And from everything I've read and heard, the other ones were a resounding success as well. Jeremy has posted a number of them on the Let's Talk Bruh podcast feed, stream that wherever you stream your podcast, um, in audio form. But um, just check out everything Let's Talk Bruh is doing on their social media from the podcast to daily affirmations to daily prompts or semi-daily prompts they post just to check in with black men. Jeremy is doing the Lord's work in the black healing, black masculinity space. And um, I'm super proud of him, bro. You know, I'm, I'm down to help any way I can, be it guesting on an episode or providing ad space here. So. Um, you know, whatever you need, just let me know. Um, and please y'all stream. Let's talk, bro. Podcast on black masculinity, wherever you stream your podcast. Um, what else? What's what's him.com. I don't care to enumerate everything we got going on again, but we are working hard. What I will say though, is please, please, um, catch up on everything we got going on on the podcast network. What's who's him radio episode 49 officially in the can episode 50 on Z way. Very excited about it. Um, have two former guests, two regulars, who have never been on an episode together, which alone makes me very excited. I'm very excited for that dialogue. And then episode 51 already recorded. will be coming your way late next week with another first timer as we talk about one of our guilty binge watching pleasures um, over quarantine. So I'm excited about both of those episodes coming your way next week. And then that was a decade. Season two was quickly responding, regenerating on the Z way 
Um, so please listen to the first 12 episodes of Albums of the Decade, season one. Uh, phenomenal episodes. I think it got better as it went along, but the first episodes, um, it's, it's crazy because I, I think the quality of them got better just because I knew what I was doing. But those first conversations where it's just me trying to figure the shit out is, is, is great listening. So um, please listen to the first 12 episodes. I'm sure you'll enjoy them. And then we come back bigger and better than ever in July with season two. And then the new podcast with me and Miss Ryan and Morgan coming in a few days, man. I don't, I don't know how many days, but it's coming in a few days. Excited for y'all to, to hear that one also. And uh, everything else we got going on at com. please check it out. Westusim. Dot com. As we close, uh, I wanted to use a new song. Um, I might ask Wills if I can keep using it. It's one of his. It's called Be Safe um, off his most recent project, Keep the Change. I gravitated toward this song immediately when I first heard it. I think it's apropos of the moment we're in right now. And uh, I think, I mean, it's, it's too long anyway, but before I go any further, I need to say rest in peace to Breonna Taylor to George Floyd and to Ahmaud Arbery. Um, I know Ahmaud's is a little bit further away. And um, so is Brianna's in a way too. Brianna's was a couple of weeks ago, but this has been a very tough week. I think that um, I tend to not want to talk about these things publicly, if only because I, I, I like to have answers to the questions I pose, and I don't really know. I don't have any answers to this one. You know, like, how do you stop racism? How do you end racism? Like, it's so, it's, a, it's such a, it's, it's a loaded question with such a deep-seated history that it just breaks my heart to know that. Like, I'm, I remember in 2008, I, I knew for certain I would see the end of racism. And now just, just 12 years later, I'm like, oh, man. I got another 50 years to deal with this shit. <laughs> so um, that's where my head's been this week. So. Um, yeah, I, th- I think this song is apropos of the moment. I I, I want to hug everybody I love and tell them to be careful and to be safe and that I love them. And so if you hear this, just know I love you. I'm sending you hugs and kisses and and you are important to me. So um, please, until we talk again, uh, be safe. But we will talk again on Tuesday. So um, be safe.
Look, I've been on my grind, pops. I ain't lazy. Don't judge me. I can't help who I am. Goddamn. I try my best to change the things I can. Goddamn. I'm human at times. I can't ignore the hate. But at the end of the day, we all got expiration dates. And as you know, this world in which we live is cold. So my best advice to you is live slow and die old. Every time I leave, I tell my niggas be safe. The streets ain't for the weak. We gotta eat, stay off the place. Every time I leave, I tell my niggas be safe. You gon' need a little more than that Gucci round your waist. Every time I leave, I tell my niggas be safe. I lose my mind if this the last time I saw your face. Every time I leave, I tell my niggas.